Uh, I'm Carl. I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is August 22nd, 2014. I'm Steve. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is February 7th, 2010. And welcome to Silverpot. We would like to remind you that we on Silverpot do not speak for or represent any outside recovery or groups. All opinions expressed on Silverpod are those of the individual speaking them, whether they regret it or not. We are not addiction, health, or mental health professionals and strongly urge you to listen in moderation. Look, no ums. Not a single um. It's a big day on Silverpod. I'm getting so much better at this. I know. Look at that. Carl growing up right in front of us, everybody. Oh, it's our... I was grown up. Everyone, just take a second and reflect on that. And we're back. So it's a big uh, it's a big day here on Sober Pod. It's our it's our second of two parter of two parter of two parts. Uh, today we're going to be continuing on and wrapping up our topic of grandiosity. Again, we're talking about from the article "Grandiosity and Recovery" as posted on AlcoholRehab.com, which is somewhere in Thailand and is of what I would call questionable validity. But <laughs> even though they did provide us a nice article, so. Last week, uh, here on SoberPod, we covered for grandiosity and recovery. We talked about the character flaw dangers in recovery as it relates to grandiosity. We talked about grandiosity and mental illness, some symptoms of grandiosity, and grandiosity as it pertains to the addictive personality. So this week, in wrapping up our two-parter, we'll be addressing dangers of grandiosity in recovery, grandiosity and feelings of uniqueness in recovery, and how to overcome grandiosity. By the end of this episode, listeners, I guarantee we are going to shatter your egos. You will be shells of your former selves. You will not think, you will have no self-esteem left whatsoever. And we bring you that courtesy of SoberPod. Stay humble. Stay humble. Which <laughs> so, I'm not doing a very good job of at the moment. Carl, so we, 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 covered a, we covered a hell of a lot of shit. Yeah, we ended last time on grandiosity and addictive personality, so we'll be picking up from dangers of grandiosity and recovery, and just to briefly go over it once more, we'll, I'll just do the grandiosity definition again for those of you who maybe haven't heard of uh, our last episode, episode 9. Grandiosity can be defined as having an exaggerated belief in one's importance, sometimes reaching delusional proportions, and occurring as a common symptom of mental illnesses such as manic disorder. And part part of that definition is that nobody will like you, and they will be annoyed by your mere presence. Uh, I've did such a good job of not including that this time. There's a follow up sentence to that for our listeners that remember last week. The individual who's grandiose will tend to behave in a pompous manner, and this usually annoys other people. So don't be grandiose, or no one will like you. You'll be sober, but you'll be alone. <laughs> oh, lovey! Oh, oh. oh lovey! <laughs> Pompous, uh. lovey, aren't I sober today? <laughs> I have absolutely no personality. I'm way more fucking sober than you are. <laughs> All right. Um, so starting this week from uh, dangers of grandiosity in recovery. So we'll pick up from our article. When people give up alcohol or drugs, it does not mean that they become inst- or it does not mean that they become instantly well adapted. Go figure. In fact, it is usually for people in recovery to continue to exhibit maladaptive behaviors. That's a very nice way of putting that. And this is why it is so often stated. They're just trying to sound important in Thailand, aren't they? Yeah. Just this one guy. They're saying, hey, we read a couple books. It's, you're not being a prick. It's a maladaptive behavior. <laughs> and this is why it is so often stated that recovery is a process and not an event, which is very well said. Once yeah. people become sober, the real work starts. 
because they then have to deal with the character flaws and maladaptive coping mechanisms that led them into addiction in the first place. If people in recovery continue with grandiose behavior, it can have serious repercussions for them, such as... Such as, and then we get into the bulleted list of all the such ases. Yes, so there's a lot of such ases to cover, but... Uh, I think briefly, that's a pretty. It does a pretty nice job of saying uh, why grandiosity can be a problem in recovery, of why walking around and kind of tooting your own horn all the time, although you know, an essay they might have a different opinion on that, uh, might have. A, that was a sex anonymous joke <laughs> for our it. sexual anonymous I, listeners. Yeah, you're really climbing in there, aren't that's you? That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going after that. That's Toot a, your own horn. That's a demo we need. Uh, damn do, it. Do, 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 do. That's right. <laughs> God, is that the noise you make? That's horrifying. It's really too big. Oh my God. So, anyway, all right, so much for that summation. <laughs> but... <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's the sound I make. I <laughs> know, no, that's the sound I make. Uh, um, so, uh, first up on the first bullet is the individual may be convinced that their situation is unique and that this means that they cannot learn from the experiences of other people. Yes. And so that is a problem in recovery, uh, and falls in line with grandiosity because anyone out there who has a experience in recovery, such as going to 12 step meetings, or I'm sure going to a lot of the other kind of meetings and stuff they have too. This is a pretty common one in, uh, newcomers. I've met quite a few and I've had it myself where, you just think that the factors surrounding your life and the things that are going wrong are just so, and I know unique kind of gets overused in this, but it's kind of the best word we've got. They're just so unique and so uh, not understandable by anyone else that it's not even worth considering anyone else's opinion or asking for a solution. So Carl, why do you think that's bad? Uh, well, <laughs> it kind of... It, it, you've already run out of options, right? I mean, there's a reason why, you know, you're, you're sitting in a, in a recovery forum to begin with, right? Because that's true. Yeah. So again, it's stuff that we've talked about, like me and my best thinking got me here. So, um, yeah. And specifically yeah. your thinking. So then you show up somewhere to get help and you say, well, my thinking is the only one that can work. Cause no one under, no one else yeah. understands my life. I know what I need to do. You know, I know I, what I need yeah, to do. I love talking to a new person who is always, you talk to them and you start talking to them about, you know, a little bit, at least a little bit about what you've kind of come to find in the, you know, years that you've been sitting there. And every time you open your mouth, they say, I know, I know, I know what I need to do. Oh, I know, you know, oh no, I, I know what I need to do. Yeah. It's like, I, it's like. Eventually, you kind of expect it from somebody. You kind of expect it from everybody you talk to. Yeah. Yeah. So leaving yourself, uh, yeah, that's what they talk about uh, in terms of, um, you know, uh, open-mindedness, willingness, and honesty. Those types of those three things are, you know, indispensable, right? Yeah. So usually so, that acronym is how honesty, yeah. open-mindedness, willingness, or who? Carl's. It's oh, <laughs> oh, open-mindedness, well, I was, willingness, I and honesty. For the acronym. Oh, I was just going oh, for the yeah. I was just yeah. going for the. <laughs> For the words. I know, but I like the acronym. So I was like, oh, okay, so ow, huh. That's the new thing. Uh, Tune into SoberPod so, to find out how to ow, huh your way into SoberPod. Now I've forgotten what I was going to talk about. <laughs> what was my fucking point? I don't even know. No, I, I think, you know, in terms of being unique, right? Yeah. It, it, what the, all the stupid shit people say is, you know, uh, uh, take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it, I think for the new person who um, 
you know, who walks in and who has that. I'm terminally unique, right? Uh, uh, it definitely is hard for them to to see, you know, because a couple things, which is, you know, you're going to look it around, you're going to see all these people in recovery, and you're going to think, you know, you're just going to start judging, right? You're going to be like, oh, they don't, you know, or whatever the hell it is they're talking about. It's like, why are they fucking talking about, I don't know, fixing the fucking sink when, you know, I fucking, you know, I'm in here because of fucking three DUIs and, you know, the judge fucking sent me here. I got all these fucking problems and da da da. Right. Yeah, and my you sink know? works great. Yeah, and my sink works great. I don't need. You yeah. know, I could get sober at least. You know, I could fix my sink. Fuck you. Know, this guy yeah. can't even. Fix I leave the it sink. running all the time while I go to court for my DUIs. <laughs> sink is great. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's it's that it's that mindset. Sorry, I just yeah. lean back in my chair. Um, but it's that mindset that will keep you in that that way of thinking that will kind of block you off from any other. Um, any new information, right? Yeah. So, and it is this something I've um for for those of you listening, this might come as a shock, but I may have a little experience with arrogance. But so I love guys that come in that are just like me, like where they might just quietly sit and brood and not say anything. But then when you talk to them, they kind of just want to show you how many big words they know. Yeah. yeah. And why AA is all bullshit. And they're, you know, but the weird thing is sometimes they're not even there from the court. Like I would understand why they would be there if the court sent them, but I'm like, wait, so you voluntarily showed up to tell us we're full of shit. Are you talking about me straight to my face? (laughs) No, you know, I strictly talk about people behind their backs. Okay. I am a coward. I've learned about that about myself in recovery. What do you mean people? Who are these people exactly? (laughs) Who are these people? These sober people. No, I am a coward. I prefer talking about people behind their back. But when these, uh, when these guys show up, and they want to say how smart they are and they want to pick apart, you know, there's plenty of stuff to pick apart in groups like AA and there's plenty of things that you can, you know, they, they think everyone is in there giving a thesis statement sometimes <laughs> the way they critique what they said, like, or what they shared, like, well, that doesn't make sense. And God, this and God that. And, you know, that's a, that's a big popular one for people to argue about that are like me. And I understand why they are because they're just pricks. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But they're complete assholes. Complete assholes. Yeah. Like just they're, total. They're just people, ruinous bastards. Yeah. Yeah. People just. It, Let me get my thesaurus. Hold yeah. On. Hold on. Carl's getting a list out. Oh, he already made the list. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to start writing. Oh, okay. It's right in my phone. I got an app. Oh, wait. Right. This is going to be a special episode on another time. We're going to say Car- all Carl's thoughts about Steve. But so. So here's the thing. If you think you're if you think it's a sign of intelligence to show up and about to debate about the AA thing. I mean, yes, you can be a smart person in recovery. You can be smart and an alcoholic. You can, of course, like it doesn't discriminate between intelligence or uh, color or gender or sexual orientation, all that stuff. It affects everybody. I was like, but here's the thing. If you want to pride yourself on being smart, then how wise is it to show up to something like AA where there's all these people around talking about a common solution? That has worked and has worked for millions of people for a long time. And I'm not doing this to promote AA. It's more of just to... It's attraction rather than promotion, buddy. I need you to stop right now. Okay. Hold on. The AA <laughs> president on, AA, please, AA <laughs> president just walked in. He's very upset. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, how? I'll, I'll take it away from the AA thing. If you're showing up to a platform of recovery, whatever kind it is, and you think you're just too smart for it, then... How smart is it really to look a common solution in the face that has been tried and worked over a long period of time and then just decide it's not even worth trying? 
It's like, I mean, it's the contemporary to investigation thing. Tori says, I've never even tried this thing. I'm just not going to do it. And that's out of... It's just not for me. It's just not for me. It's No just matter what you say, work. it's just yeah. not for me. And right. I get it. I'm not trying to lecture the people out there that can identify with that. I'm just saying it's like, I would really hope, like I've said before, desperation is a great tool. If you can confront that thinking and it's like, for me, it was about vulnerability. If I really admit that I don't know what I'm doing, which I had absolutely no idea what I was doing in early recovery. And a lot of times I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but... As long as I don't drink, things seems to go pretty well. It's okay to not know what you're doing. Being vulnerable is okay. These are all things that you're going to relearn how to do in sobriety. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're like me, you never really learned how to do them in the first place. Yeah. And I, and really taking on the uh, t- taking some things on the chin and kind of kind of saying I don't know, which is you know I think even right now I should probably be saying at times, but uh, but that that's part of it, right? You know, you, being able to say like I don't know or I don't know the answer and in general kind of things. Um, How inspiring yeah. are we? The two hosts of the show about sobriety just said, we don't know shit about sobriety. We don't know what we're doing. Thanks <laughs> for tuning in. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for coming. Well, we're off to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Overball. Oh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, so we can move right into, uh, I think we could kind of skip over this one, actually, this next one, because it just seems kind of normal. Like if you're a dick and you're grandiose kind of an asshole, you're not going to have any friends. That's the next one, right? That's, <laughs> That's not what the article yeah. says, though. It says well, it, can, it... it can make it difficult for the person to make new friends. Grandiosity is a highly unattractive personality. Yeah, trait. if you're a fucking dick and you're this grandiose asshole, you, yeah. you're not going to have any friends. Well, that's true. That's what it said. That and telling someone they're just a grandiose asshole, that's not going to stop them from being a grandiose asshole. No. They're just going to assume, oh, well, you just, I'm king shit of fuck mountain, and you just don't understand. As I found out making a list about my friend. Um, yes. you know, uh, confrontation is not really going to be the thing, but you know, I, I think part of that is, uh, when you're, when you if, you, if you, if you feel like you are, I guess that grandiose kind of asshole, you know, maybe there's a hint of it and you kind of feel like, yes, you know, um, I'm discovering this about myself now that I'm no longer fucking drunk all the goddamn time. You know, I, I do find myself without friends or the ability to connect with other people. Um, there is a way to kind of start to deal with this. And again, it's what Steve says, being vulnerable. And when somebody does confront you about it, you know, it's, it, it's really, it would really benefit you to be a little bit more self-reflective at that point. Right. Yeah. That's where you start to kind of go, okay, I'm going to take that comment to heart and I'm really going to deal with this. So, mm-hmm. you know, tomorrow I'm, I'm not going to do the same. Right. Yeah. And it's about trying to repeat, you know, different behaviors, Wait, and not great, repeat the same behavior. And a great trick I learned about that, because, you know, that grandiosity is I think it's going to include a lot of um, self-centered focus. Like we talked about on last week's episode, the dominating conversations and always bringing up stuff about yourself. If you're nervous and you just don't know how to socialize. So that's the stuff you always talk about. I get it because I can relate to that. A great thing I learned in sobriety was that people like it when you show them attention and just ask them questions. Just say, hey, how was your day? Oh, what is it you do for a living? Unless Steve, it's Carl. Was it was pretty good. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, cool. What, what was the other question? What was the other question? <laughs> We're just going to sit here questioning each other for the rest of the episode. But now ask them questions about themselves. Ask them how their families are. Ask them how their job's going. Ask them just whatever comes to mind. Or ask them their opinions on stuff. Or just do you like sex? <laughs> do you like sex? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, consensual or unconsensual? No, no, no. Don't ask that. People will get upset. <laughs> but ask it. Take the focus off of yourself. It's a great way to make friends. Do you like skinny, bald, white guys? Old, <laughs> old white guys. Just say. Do you like that? No. Middle aged. Middle aged. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not working for you. 
No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Moving on. Can you say it? Uh, can you say it again, but slower <laughs> and deeper? I'm pretty sure this isn't going to make the end cut. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we can move on from this. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. So, uh, our next point for uh, reasons not to be grandiose in recovery or negative such as can be it can mean that people overestimate their own abilities and achievements in recovery. They are at risk of developing pink cloud syndrome. The pink, the dreaded pink cloud. Ooh, I'm the pink cloud. Yeah, I really got to turn the echo up on that one and get some effects. I've up. come for your balls. Pink cloud. Where did the balls come in? I don't know. I just pictured, I was like, how horrifying would that be? A big pink cloud that just says it's come for your balls. And so it came out of my mouth. So, uh, <laughs> Dude, you just said balls came out of my mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> I got to call my sponsor. Oh, All right. So, the big clouds they do, they become so happy about their success that they take things for granted. And they take things for granted by doing so, uh, uh, put themselves at risk for relapse. Yes. So really, pink cloud meaning like they become happy about their success. So I, I didn't, is this the definition? You know, pink cloud. I thought it was a little. I didn't think it was really uh, grandiose. I don't know. I mean, I, I I've always heard people talk about oh you know you know this pink cloud, this pink cloud, and that really I think what it was for me all the time was that they were like discovering new things about the world and that they were like yeah they're just seeing things differently and that it was like you know. What's it? <laughs> Sorry, I I come for your balls. Okay, balls. Okay. Anyway, pink cloud syndrome. Pink cloud is it? Is it they were um they were sucking cock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, dear listeners. Sorry, we just take the opportunity to to breathe and remember we don't take ourselves Sorry. too seriously. Okay. <laughs> So, no, seriously, the pink cloud thing. Like, I just thought it was like you were thinking of you know, a new life and you were like getting used to like, for instance, my pink cloud shit was like, um, you know, I was seeing, seeing colors new. I actually saw like brighter, more vivid colors. Like, it really felt like that way. Um, you know, the, the uh, paying attention to the flowers or time with my family or, you know, other shit like that, right? That's what I really um, kind of, you know, define my pink cloud kind of stuff as. And then, you know, I wasn't so happy anymore after about six months. And I was like, well, that shit's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, a, like a honeymoon yeah. phase. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I kind of termed it. That's how, actually, I'm glad you pointed that out. I didn't really put that together. This is using pink cloud as more of... Yeah, um, and that becomes a syndrome, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, syndrome. Sorry, I got pink cloud syndrome. No, that sounds like a lovely syndrome. <laughs> sounds like a lot of balls in <laughs> 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 but anyway, so when people overestimate their own abilities and achievements in recovery, no, I know, I think I know what this is getting at because I've heard, uh, I've heard quite a few people talk about, um, maybe after a significant amount of time in recovery, they get like, just, a just as an example, I've heard people say stuff like I got the house back, I got the kids back, I got the wife back, I got all this stuff. And then they stop participating in their recovery and focusing on the things that got them there and sort of blinded to their liabilities. Like mm -hmm. they're not really paying attention on the mechanics and the day-to-day -day stuff that we do to stay sober or that anyone does uh, in whatever. Like I did all this practice. shit. Like, yeah, I'm sort so awesome. of like I just, it changes from I worked with in, con in conjunction with this program to get me somewhere to I pulled myself up to my bootstraps, got sober, and then they, boom, they get drunk again yeah, because yeah. they... 
Like, I didn't need this program to begin with. Yeah, they go you know, back to that yeah. sort of default. The, so it's it's like what they they call the the, the trifecta, right? They go, I got the uh, got the uh, girl back, I got the car back, I got the job back, and then fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's the because yeah, I'm fucking too good for this shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it might and be I, it. I yeah, get that, and I think you know what? It's 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 stuff like this where like I'm I'm sure I know I've had my own experiences of doing this on like a smaller scale. But luckily, I haven't drank. But I've definitely had times where I go like, no, I don't need to go to a meeting. Yeah, and I, like a week or two or three has gone by. Dude, or, every know. time I pull up to a fucking meeting, I think, why the fuck do I need to be here? Right? I really, I, I, I mean, I do. Like, I, just yeah. about every time I go, ah, oh, fuck, why? You know, but I guarantee. But you know, but by the time I sit there and listen, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I get, I guess, I get, I get back in alignment, and I find myself uh, being really grateful for having stayed. You know, yeah. so that it, it does happen. And it's, it's sort of an overused metaphor, but I think this is another time where you can use the gym metaphor where it's like, if you show up and you work out, say you're, you know, you're super, uh, <clears throat> you're super ripped, you're in the best shape of your life, you're eating healthy, you're doing all that. And you go, okay, I can just stop doing everything now because look at me, I'm perfect. I'm awesome. And then what happens? Look it what all goes away because yeah. it's like, no, it requires maintenance. So I guess that's the idea. Of or if you show up to the gym and just stare at people's asses all the time. Well, stand in one of those fucking machines. It's a know. cheaper membership. Which I really think the gym should stop doing. They should stop selling the check out the meat racks memberships. <laughs> and we're back. So, okay, we should really move on to the next one. Uh, to put them so, okay, so the world of addiction is characterized by living in delusion. In order to find success in sobriety, the individual needs to escape all types of deluded thinking, including grandiosity. That is much easier said than done. Yeah, totally. So, what do you. I don't know. In your experience, what was some of the deluded thinking like that you that you first like? What comes to your mind as like an initial experience you had with right that? now? It just balls in my mouth. <laughs> no, seriously, what kind of deluded thinking? What kind of, what kind of deluded thinking when I was using? Sorry, I can't no, remember. Well, I when you, when you got to recovery, as you yeah. went through the process, or. Maybe, or maybe even before you got sober. Like, I remember that story you talked about where you said you were on, uh, you were on Reddit and you posted like late one night and yeah, then all yeah, these people yeah. said like, you know, they yeah. came back all to you, but it's like, like nine people. Yeah. Yeah. Like where they were all responding to you, like kind of, uh, you had like a cry for help moment. Yeah. And yeah, they were yeah. all responding to you. It's like, maybe that, that could be seen as sort of a, a break in the diluted thinking of okay, drinking well, myself the way I, I am. What I, what I love is when I reread that, cause I still, still on there. It'll be on there until you know, I guess Reddit decides to erase those older posts, but I love rereading it today because I actually minimize my, uh, my level of drinking, right? I'm still trying, like even minimize- In the cry for help? In the cry for help. I'm, oh, I'm minimizing like my, my drinking, right? And I still- even Like in, a lot? Uh, yeah, I'd say by half. Damn. <laughs> you know, you know I, I even like minimize the years that I'm drinking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, for the last five years, I'm like, no, 15 <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, it's like so. It's uh, you know, as I've gotten more sober, quote unquote, uh, as the, the the year progressed in my sobriety, I look back on that stuff. I think it's really funny because like you can even look back at my thirty day posts, my ninety day posts, you know, my my year, right? Uh -huh. And you can see like this my story like getting much more clear as the posts go on. So yes, that wow. is actually really uh, uh, you know, with that statement of all of the levels of my diluted thinking are falling away because now I'm really more into reality, right? Which is, it turns into 15 years. It turns into, you know, the amount of alcohol I consume, right? It turns into all those realities about how much and when and the reality of that stuff. 
And that's actually like, I think that's a good example of grandiose, of grandiose thinking too, in minimizing the problem. Like, oh yeah, okay, I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I'm drinking yeah. myself to death, but it's not that bad. Yeah. Like I can't show all of that. I've got to still show a little bit of control. And I definitely did that. Because my- that keeps me on a, you know, I'm not that bad kind yeah. of scenario. No, like my, some of my deluded thinking, like are, uh, for grandiosity and deluded thinking, so like my grandiosity, it almost cost me my sobriety, and I'll never forget the day. I was 90 days sober, and I was pulling into uh, the old club where we used to have meetings, and I was going there for the 5.30, and I was all fucked in the head. Like, I was in a bad way that day. I had broken up with my girlfriend uh, the day before, and... Like that whole morning, I just ran around doing stuff to keep occupied. And then I ran out of shit to do. And so I had like maybe an hour to kill before the meeting. And all that, all that crazy thinking, the loneliness, regret, and all that stuff totally caught up to me. So I'm sitting there in the parking lot and people are walking in to go to the meeting. And I'm just thinking to myself, I can't get out of the car. They're all going to know that I'm fucked up. Like my head emotionally fucked up the moment they see me. Like I, and they can't see me like that, you know, because I can't, I can't appear fucked up in AA. Everyone here's such an upstanding you know, citizen. It'd be better if I went and got some something to drink. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, no yeah. I didn't yeah. actually, yeah. but that's good foreshadowing. I didn't end up drinking, but I just started driving around the city. So I'm just driving around the city and uh, yeah. I think I, I don't know if I picked up smoking again yet. I think I had, but so I'm just driving around the city and I was like, okay, here's what I'll do. I'm going to drive around, listen to my radio. I turned off the radio at a certain point and I said, you know what? I'm just going to share to myself like I'm in the meeting. I'm just going to, I don't know if I said it out loud or if I just thought to myself, but I just start, you know, I'm like, I'll process this all by myself as if I was in an AA meeting talking to other people. This is shit I did sober. So that's what I do. And I remember the specific road I was going down where as I drove on it going one direction, I was sharing about how I got through this time and everything was okay and I didn't need to drink. And then as I turned around on and came back down that same stretch of road, I was already like, fuck it, I'm going to go drink. Because I wasn't willing to be vulnerable and to let other people see me in a fucked up state. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're in recovery, no matter what kind of recovery, and you're in a fucked up state, that is exactly the time that you need to be talking to someone or going to a meeting or something. Because... For me, when my emotion, when I get super emotional, my my uh, logical processing or decision making gets fucking horrible. It gets super erratic, especially in early sobriety, because it's all these feelings. I don't like them; they hurt, and I can't make them go away by getting drunk. So anyway, uh, luckily, my old friends wanted nothing to do with me. They weren't answering the phone because. I hadn't talked to him in ages and I was probably not the nicest human being to be around. Well, I know I wasn't when I was drinking, so I didn't end up getting drunk that night. But, um, I mean, talk about delusional thinking, like as Carl, as I'm sitting here telling the story, Carl's looking at me like, Oh my God, I asked this guy to sponsor me. For like, <laughs> like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a kind of, that's the kind of stuff that that can do to you. So I don't really have a transition out of that one. So next well, talk about living in delusion, right? Um, we're going to, success begins to happen when people uh, recognize their limitations as well as their abilities. So long as the person remains grandiose in their thinking, they may refuse to even consider the possibility that they have limitations. So uh, that's really what we're talking about, like limitations is being vulnerable. That's the real, the kind of stuff is like, you know, um, you know, 
a couple things, which is it starts to get into really more nuanced kind of stuff, right? So whether that is like um, limitations in my ability to uh, deal rationally with my disconcerted emotional situation. <laughs> Sorry, it's a Tom Waits reference. But, you know, so if I, uh, if I have, um, if I have, you know, that inability to actually deal rationally with life, right? I have to kind of concede that a little bit, right? I have to go, okay, now what, now really, how do I fix that? How do I not fix it? But how do I resolve that with my own head, right? So I have to meet with other people. I have to talk to other people. I have to kind of get, you know, it's like, oh, there's a, a speaker talks and they, they have this um, analogy about being the man in the glass, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm the man in the glass. I can't read the label. I can't, I really can't, you know, and as much as I would like to, I just fucking can't. And so, um, but other people certainly can. You can read my label, right? You can look at me and go, oh, he's fucking, he's paranoid. He's fucking, <laughs> he's delusional, you know, whatever it may be, right? You can do that stuff. And and it's hard for me to kind of see that. But Oh, like the, you can't see your own face thing. Yeah, right? Yeah. Can't, you know, I can't see my own ear no matter how fucking hard I try without a mirror, right? So, but, um, but in this case, it's like, I can't see my own self without another person, without some sort of feedback mechanism and being willing to listen to that shit and being open to that. Then um, you know, really, I'm the one that's uh, <laughs> I'm the one that's in trouble. But um, you know, if I start to listen to that stuff, at least it gives me a little little idea of, of the things I might need to work on, right? Yeah. So um, you know, and then the same thing for like work and those types of things, right? Um, you know, it's like if we're talking about other things like that, like I can't take on the world. Right, I can't take on every fucking project I'm working on. I actually do need help, by the way, you know, because if I was the only one, you know, uh, who needed to work on it, I would be a f- complete freelancer, right? Instead, I actually work at a company where other people are also employed, right? And there's a reason that they're there, you know, So I don't fucking run around trying to do everything. I have to learn how to ask for help when need be. I have to learn when to get other people's participation, right? And be nice about it, not a fucking grandiose talking of asshole, yeah. that kind of stuff, right? You have to start, you become, and it's easier once you're sober, really, I think, once you've fallen into the situation of that understanding, to start to do those things. To continue to do it is another story, right? Because that's what, you know, that takes a lot more persistence, uh, you know, in, in well, yeah, consistence <laughs> yeah it takes some consistency right in yeah. order to, to acquire that as your normal operating procedures so absolutely yeah. no i i agree i think you summed that one all up and that's it's an especially <clears throat> it's an especially important one to a uh, point about the recognizing your limitations for guys like as guys get in uh into sobriety and they don't you know they might still have that you still run into guys that have the macho attitude and the machismo and, you know, it even manifests in some weird ways in AA with like stag meetings and stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying that they're all born of that, but there's a weird vibe you get at some of them where it's kind of about that macho thing. Like balls in your mouth. <laughs> I'm the pink cloud. <laughs> Welcome to my meeting. Welcome to my meeting. Put your balls in the seventh tradition. As they go from chair to chair, <laughs> you may feel something. Oh God, that is the worst new character. <laughs> I think it's the best, actually. That's what we've come up with so far. Yeah. But recognizing your achievements, again, be honest. I mean, if you don't know how to do something, say you don't know how to do it. If you're struggling, say you're struggling. You're you'll do yourself a lot of favors that way. So uh we can move on to our next one. The world of addiction is oh, already did that one. 
Success. Nope. Did that one too. Humility. Humility, <laughs> Humility is a definite asset for those people who want to build a successful life away from addiction. When people are humble, it means that they can learn new things more easily, and they will also tend to be more likable as humans. Oh my God. A humble, get it, this, just saying, I've, I know you can relate to this too, but working with people in sobriety if, oh, over the years, with all the people that have asked me, I know like all the guys that have asked me to help sponsor them or something like that, I think three have stuck around. When it comes to humility, you can tell that shit in like the first minute you talk to somebody. Is this guy actually here to do this or is he just going to be a royal pain in is the he, ass? Is he just trying to him? fill in some other blank, yeah. right? Oh my yeah. God. And the difference it makes is, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like the difference it makes. Like when I first met uh, Carl, he was just honestly asking, look, he's like, you know what? I... I, I like the cut of your jib. You seem to know what you're doing. Can you show me what to do? Cause I need help. Like that was pretty, that was yeah. pretty much all he wanted to tell me was because it was like, and anything else, you know, he's like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Just show me. What do I need to do? <laughs> I need a pair of balls in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, you've come to the sorry, right place. I'm taking it too far. <laughs> <laughs> Can we isolate you that? You have a pair of balls. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Those balls seem mighty sober. <laughs> they seem to be pretty pink. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that is an upsetting image. <laughs> so, yeah, we've gone too far. We've gone really I know. It makes, it makes such far. a big difference. And, like, as that, if they can, if he, because Carl, he kept that attitude and he still has that attitude. Like, it's uh, just like to say personally, you've always had a very eager to learn and never to assume sort of presence about you. Like since I've known you in recovery. I do assume something, so I'm pretty sure. Well, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean. I mean, as, as, you know, I think there's some, you know, I still, we were talking actually before we started recording again, which is, you know, uh, you know, about certain judgments of other people. And, you know, I still had all those issues with like, you know, uh, you know, uh, social classes and all this other stuff, you know? So I, I, I mean, these are all nuanced kind of things. And, you know, but the one thing I really enjoy actually since kind of, you know, uh, talk about uh, finding your own place or your own right sizeness, right? It's like, uh, you know, I really enjoy the thoughts. Uh, and it, maybe it sounds so hippy-dippy, but, I mean, at some point, like, that's kind of where I net out, right? So if, I'm not going to, I don't care if you judge me right now, but I really love people in general, right? Like, I really love the idea of just that everybody has some worth and value. No matter what their situation, condition, you know, fucking homeless, fucking black, white, fat, skinny, whatever. I love the fact that... Um, you can get something from everybody. You know, and one of the things, that, I just want a quick damn story because I always fucking do this. You have great I, stories. Though. So let's I, well, go to story time with Carl. Story, uh, sit back, children. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad I made it for story Put time. Put balls in your mouth. <laughs> Come sit by me, so, Pink Cloud. Don't take my balls. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I there was a time I was uh, leading a meeting and, um, and, you know, it was like a whatever Saturday meeting is, uh, I was, going to Saturdays and at noon. And uh, this guy comes in, he just fucking stinks up fucking high storm. I just fucking, he's obviously homeless and he's early in my sobriety. And, you know, and there again, I came from $500,000 house, drove up on a BMW and I fucking, you know, I got a job and you know what I mean? Got a family and you know, still got all my shit. But um, this guy comes in, he stinks, you know, and he's sitting there the whole meeting and he's listening and then I just, you know, he's getting up and getting coffee and getting the, the donuts or whatever the hell was going on. And I'm thinking he's just this fucking homeless guy, right? Uh -huh. And then um, and then he opened his mouth. And I'll tell you, like, fucking, like, shit got fucking 
intelligent and shit was like uh, jaw-droppingly like fucking like I can't believe that that guy just said all that shit right now. Like he fucking like and it and it, and not only that is he talked about like living under a bridge and how that was you know his it was okay with that, right? Hmm. But but he had another sense about it, right? And um and it's not you know it, it's judging a book by its cover completely and um sometimes that shit like that happens to you as you extend yourself into the world and go into these meetings, by the way, if you're considering going to a meeting and actually I just talked to somebody today on uh, stop drinking about going to the first meeting. And, uh, um, you know, I had no fucking intention, but that's the kind of shit that I learned that I learned in the rooms that surprised the fuck out of me and really brought me into a whole nother level of like, don't judge a book by its cover. We're all, we're all very similar in that regard, you know? So, um, I don't know what my point was with that little story other than, you know, humility. It's, it's being willing to recognize you were wrong. Yeah. Being like, holy yeah. shit, that guy was like incredible. He had some really good stuff to yeah. say. And I was yeah. sitting here thinking like, oh, what does he know? He smells, he's homeless and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But yeah. he opens his mouth and suddenly like, you know, I'm, I'm shocked. Right. And shocked into a different state of like understanding. Yeah. Right? So that's what I really love about that. That's given me the idea to look at people today in a whole different way. And that everybody has something to offer. Everybody's got something to give. And, um, you know, I always joke about, like, you know, I fell in love with the guy at 7-Eleven when I got sober. And, uh, and so... What? <laughs> well, because it's true. I, it, if I can't love the guy behind the counter... Oh, okay. ...at 7-Eleven, like, I've really... Uh, he's done nothing to me ever, right? If I can't... If my default can't be that I'm in love with that person, right, then what am I, you know, what am I doing, really? I'm running around, what, hating people? You know what I mean? It just seems so ridiculous to me. So I was like, you know what? That's my default. I'm going to love the guy in 7-Eleven, right? And whether he likes it or not, I'm going to put my pig balls in his No. <laughs> pig balls? Pink. Pink? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you know, if I, if I can't operate on that level, meaning like everybody has worth and value. Yeah. Right? That um, should be the yeah. ideal to aim for. Yeah. Like that I'm going to yeah. be kind and, and loving no matter and what. And that actually will help you to develop uh, humility. It really does. Yeah. It really does work yourself into that way. So, um, yeah, the, you know, working towards that exposure really helped me a lot. So, yeah. Um, and it's the humility too of, you know, you go in there and you're like, Oh, the guy behind the Seven Eleven. like, it is kind of ridiculous, like to be upset because like, you know, your interaction with them is what, maybe a minute or two, depending yeah, on how yeah. much stuff you're buying. Yeah. But if you do for some reason, like, Oh, that guy's an asshole, blah, blah, blah. For whatever reason you come up with, a great thing about recovery is, you know, maybe walking to your car, being able to stop and have that sort of moment to realize you need to recalibrate because you go, wait a minute. I've had these moments a lot where I go, I felt totally fine walking in here. Like I was happy. It was a good morning. I'm doing good. And now I feel all shitty. Yeah, what I had happened? to wait in line for more than five seconds? Yeah. yeah. I had to fucking wait oh, in line. Oh, there was a price check on a fucking yeah. donut? Or there, yeah. was a, there was a kid making noise, or the guy was, you know, maybe he fumbled the change or something. And then you realize, get in your car, it's like, so I'm really going to just go ahead and feel shitty and mad when I could still be feeling good when all I have to do is recognize I'm just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm wrong. That's totally fine. It happens. I'm going to go back to having a good day. See, there's a, um, I don't know if anybody's out there. Maybe I'll put it in the links because I really, I gravitate towards stuff like uh, David Foster Wallace, right? He has this, uh, he has this commencement speech and he talks about these moments of like standing in line. It's about choosing what to think about, right? Hmm. You know, and if you can't choose to think about, you know, that guy in that moment, 
as being sacred, right? Which it is. Sorry, I just just went through puberty there for a second. <laughs> so, but you know what I mean? <laughs> His balls are fresh. <laughs> oh, big God, no. <laughs> but you know, but if you can't choose for that, you know, for that thinking, and if you can't see that moment as sacred in, in, in part of what we do here on this planet, you know, it's kind of no point in it. Right, you can yeah. run around, and your default can be fucking like I'm an asshole, and fucking uh, you know traffic and people and Seven uh, Eleven guy, you know whatever. Yeah. Why why is it that when we really want to uh, talk badly about somebody, we actually turn into like a southern <laughs> grumpy old man? I don't understand. Anyway, so um, More than, <laughs> that's not even southern. I don't know what I was starting there. Yeah, like I'll just <laughs> abandon ship, abandon <laughs> ship. <laughs> Oh, damn it. Yeah. And that's something uh, also for for any of you out there that might be newer to recovery or starting something. That's not that's not a mode of thinking I would expect right off the bat, uh, because it took me a long time to have that sort of where my default started becoming, oh, I'm in a good mood. I'm in an okay mood. Like I'm not feeling like shit and all tense all the time. That's not the default way of thinking. Don't expect that to happen right off the bat, but it is encouraging once it start happen. Once it begins to happen, it just takes some time to get there. So please be patient with yourself, as always. And our last uh our last on the checklist is grandiosity may be a sign that the person is suffering from a dual diagnosis. Until they deal with such symptoms, it will be hard for them to make progress in recovery. And for those of you that don't know, a dual diagnosis means you are an addict and you also have another um, disorder. It could be a mental disorder. It could even be physical disorders that then are contributing to a mental disorder. Uh, That's something that really I'm not comfortable saying too much about besides always be honest with your doctor. Let them know what you're comfortable letting them know, but don't undersell like when you're it's it's sort of like the idea of going to recovery like what carl was saying he um when he said that he was uh minimizing his drinking and his history and all that on reddit it's like people we have a habit of doing that i know i'll speak for myself i've had a habit of doing that in aa where i'm all fucked up about something and then i don't tell you the extent i'm fucked up to because i just want to give you enough information to tell me what to do so i don't have to look you know like for, it, for some reason, in my head, it calculates as, oh, I'm I'm incompetent or I'm stupid if I can't figure out this. So I'm only going to give them a little bit so they can tell me what to do, and then they won't know how bad it was. That's a horrible thing to do. It, it has never served me well. And being open, transparent, vulnerable, all that stuff, it always works to your, yeah, to your benefit. I think one of the things I've done in order to kind of get over that is I've decided with my sponsors, right, and you included, right, I go, these are the people that I'm going to be completely fucking honest with, and there's going to be no... No holds bar with these people, right? So I at least, you know, I at least have two people that I know of so far in my life of recovery in the last four years, uh, almost four, sorry, solid three, uh, <laughs> that um, that I've been completely honest. The other people in the rooms and stuff like that, it's really kind of like, um, you know, I'm looking, I'm almost looking for advice, right? You know, so I need, but I need to be stating my issues to a certain degree enough to get them, right? Yeah, <clears throat> enough to get some opinions while I'm in the rooms. But if something that's really specific and detailed that I need to go over. Obviously, I got that's what sponsors are for, you know. So, um, you know, actually, uh, you know, you did this to me a lot, which is you would direct me to go bring that up in a meeting, right? And kind of how mm-hmm. to bring that up, you know, and not to be specific about it, but to be generalized to a certain degree in order to get, you know, varying degrees of input, right? Yeah. So, you know, if I get specific about it, somebody might want to solve the solution. But if I get generic about it, then they, I'm going to get many solutions, right? Not people focused on solving it. 
Right. Yeah, you yeah always, I get advice, but different. <laughs> you, well, yeah, yeah, you want to find the people with relevant experience because yeah. I think it's weird. Some people have a ha- I've some people I've known have a habit of like their sponsor is the only person they'll consider getting advice from. Yeah, like that's yeah. it. But your sponsor is not going to know everything, like about everything. Like, and if that's they just, do, you need to really rethink your sponsor relationship. Yeah, yeah then that's not good yeah. because it's like, no, there's not a chance that they have. I know it's good for you, Steve. If I'm the big clout, no. <laughs> it's, there's not a chance that they have an expert level opinion on every relevant thing in your yeah. life. It's just silly to think that they would. So what I hope I've, the standard that was taught to me and that I hope I've lived up to is that when a sponsee or really anybody has asked me for, you know, my input on a given situation, like, cause I remember Carl would, uh, you know, something careful very now, big, careful di- now. <laughs> very different between me and Carl, not getting into specifics, but a very big difference between Carl and I is Carl's a father and a husband. I'm not a father and I'm not a husband. So with that kind of stuff, I'm I'd a, say... No, I'm a great father and a great husband. He's a great father and a great <laughs> husband, pending approval from his wife, who I'm sure is listening. Oh, damn. <laughs> Got to run that through some approvals. <laughs> but so when he would bring up that kind of stuff, if it had anything to do with that, I would say, well, you, why, I would try to direct him and say, find the other guys in there that are fathers and husbands and ask for their input. But look for the fathers and husbands that you think, you know, they meet your qualifications that you're like, they seem to, they talk about their kids and their wife in a way that I want to talk about my mm-hmm. kids and wife. Like they enjoy their company. They they seem to, you know, they have what I want. That's always what we're looking for in recovery. They don't just love them, but they like them. Yeah, it's not just oh, I feed them and throw money and you know that's it. It's like no, they're looking for a bigger relationship. <laughs> feed them and throw them money. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean you are technically My hostages. Still, yes. Hey, I mean, well, really, at the end of the day, as long as everyone's alive, you're doing your job. I'm doing great. I tell you, your great father and great husband. Everyone in that house, they're alive. But. Uh, if so you far. want a little more than that, you should ask around. But um, right. that's so let's, let's cut through the list because we got we to gotta cut through this episode. So anyway, Keep that's you people the end of our list. So we're going to get to our next part. Grandiosity and feelings of uniqueness in recovery. Establishing a good life in sobriety by trial and error can be an overwhelming challenge. Luckily, it is not necessary for each person to find their own way because sobriety is a well-trodden path. And it is possible to learn from those who went before. This means that the newly sober individual is saved the trouble and risk of having to reinvent the wheel. By learning from the mistakes of other people, they are able to find their feet in recovery while avoiding the common pitfalls. That is a great point. Learning from other people's mistakes, if you're willing to actually do that, that is a great benefit to you. Me, I almost insist on recreating other people's mistakes, even though like they have all the warning signs. But if you can have that level of humility, that is... Amazing. So, can I get another story? Sit down, kids. <laughs> story time with Carl. Story time with Carl. Why do we have kids in here when we I, record? <laughs> Crack your books. No, I, I, I was, um, I was frustrated one day. A really short story. I was frustrated one day, and I was, I was in my garage, and I was basically fucking crying my fucking eyes out. And uh, yes, in sobriety, and um, and I, I, I was like, I need. I'm so fucking frustrated. I just need to get off my fucking chest. So I grabbed a, I grabbed a baseball bat. And actually, as I grabbed the baseball bat, I, um, I, what flashed through my brain was the um, a conversation I had with one of my sponsors, right? Which is, you know, he probably did something similar. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, knocked over a motorcycle or something else when he did it, right? And that's why I was like, I was like, that's what went through my head. And, like, and he would tell me, like, how fucking immature and stupid that was of him to do. And I was like, and I was just prepared to fucking do the same. And as I grabbed the fucking baseball bat, 
I had it in my hands. And I'm looking for something to fucking hit. And I'm thinking children's bikes, you know, fucking whatever it is. You know, that was good. That, that little kid's bike that you mentioned. To yeah. be clear, he yeah. said children's bikes, not children and bikes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Take the bikes, bicycles, just bicycles. Let's take, remove the children out of there. Um, you know, uh, that's it. So then what happens is I go, oh, this is that moment. This is that moment I'm supposed to call my sponsor, right? This because I go... Because the other thing is that my sponsor told me, like in in the and I wasn't doing it for a long time. I would lose my shit and shit would get out of control, and I'd be arguing or screaming at somebody, or I would fucking actually go, you know, kick some fucking dog food can or whatever the hell it is, and um, and sh- some shit would break, right? And then um, and then I started to call my sponsor, right? And then so in those moments where it's like instead of grabbing the baseball bat, now mm-hmm. I grab the phone, right? It's a, it's a really and it's and it's. It takes a, it does it talks about it in an article it takes a long time to actually get that shit to sink in and it's hard and it's not easy and if you're fucking doing that shit you know just know that it fucking does get better it's just that it takes time to actually have that shit sink in and having those little cues to change your behavior start to happen yeah so in but it takes that willingness to listen that's for sure yeah just the willingness to be able to do that and also the ability to recognize that your that your mood and your behavior has gone so off track that you need help like that takes time that's that sounds simple to say but that is a involved and complicated process that it's not worth explaining here beyond just saying it takes time like don't worry if you're still wrecking shit or you know going off the handle and then seeking help that's fine but the more you get help and ask for it afterwards the sooner you know perhaps you'll be able to uh, stop yourself in those moments and seek some outside counsel so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and skip over the next little portion that we have because it's one little more paragraph and it's really just talking about grandiosity again because I think it's time we get into the solution and how to overcome grandiosity. So this is a nice way to wrap up the episode. Grandiosity and feelings of uniqueness can be a real obstacle to recovery. It is possible to overcome such thinking by the following. If grandiosity is having a serious impact on the individual's life, it may be a sign of mental illness they will be best advised to seek a professional opinion. I think that one pretty much speaks yeah. for itself. Yeah. Uh, getting to the next one, the individual needs to challenge their own thoughts when they are feeling superior or special. Each individual is special and unique to a large degree, but in the important fundamental ways, all human beings are the same. So I think that's getting to, look, yes, I mean, we have to play, like, I upset people because, like, I'm actually of the opinion that no one's special. Like, I'm just a very nihilistic that way. And, like, I just have no faith in the human Everybody race. Must die. Every, no, not even that. I'm just like, look, we're all just carbon copies and we're all just, no one matters and we're all going to die someday. But, I mean, in sobriety, I've been told that I need to, you know, be a little softer on that. So I think what it's saying is, like, yes. You you are special and unique in your own way. The problems you face, though, those are going to be a lot more common than you think. Since the dawn of time. Since the dawn of time. Even since this morning. I don't even have two rocks to rub together. <laughs> uh, so then, oh, uh, and also, you know, when they are feeling superior or special to challenge their own thinking, I'd also recommend stop telling your children they're special. You're going to set them up to be alcoholics. I'm pretty sure I read that in a science book. <laughs> Proven science, <laughs> science, bitches. All right, so uh, then we have um, the uh, learning to empathize with other people. We talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, allows the individual to see the com- uh, commonalities between themselves and other people. Uh, guy Seven Eleven, for instance. Uh, you know, empathy is not about feeling sorry for uh, someone else, but about trying to understand what it's like to be them. 
So yeah. isn't there isn't there like a nice little pithy saying for that? Yeah, well, my saying for learning to uh, feel what it's like to be somebody is to start following them. So, like, find out where they Stalking work, them. follow them to work, you know, uh, but make sure they don't see you hide behind the fern. So, so yeah, which is which is the reason why you took over the Twitter account, is that right? Cause yes. Cause, cause, I'm lighting up Twitter. I love following people. Please tw- <laughs> oh, tweet at us, by the way, at SoberPod. Often. That's right, I said it. Often and frequently. Yes, often right, so, and frequently. Um, so, empath- empathy, obviously, you know, going to recovery is kind of... And slowly. Is it, Watch out for that pink cloud. All right. So, but empathy, I, you know, I, I, I always joke, like I learned to listen in AA, not joke. That's what the fuck am I saying? I don't joke about that shit. I learned to listen in AA. Um, I don't, I don't think I ever really learned to listen to people until I sat in these rooms. I really don't. Uh, you know, I thought I did when I was younger, like, oh, you know, but I listened, but what I actually listened to is what I thought was like, everybody's just bitching about fucking not being able to drink or <laughs> do drugs, yeah. you know, but, um, but yeah, now I listen to people and it's very, very different. Uh, so AA taught me how to... And so an listen. interesting yeah. point, like the people that show up in the druggy buggy, um, a lot of rehabs have, uh, a, lo- <clears throat> a lot of recovery houses have uh, animals, like on a farm and stuff. And the reason they do that is to help build empathy. Mm-hmm. It's like you go out and you take care of the animals. And you, uh, because going out there each day, checking up on them, uh, grooming them, feeding them, watering them, all that stuff, that's actually a therapeutic technique that's helped mm-hmm. to uh, take care of empathy. So like, if you're a parent or you have a kid, you know, you have uh, animals or something like that, getting involved little by little, like um, in the day to day responsibilities, you know, and maybe taking over a little bit more of that is a great way to help build that up. So meditation techniques uh, such as mindfulness can be effective at helping sp- People spot the errors in their own thought processes. Well, I don't know necessarily about that, but what it does do is it, I mean, maybe, I mean, what it, I think what it's done for me, I don't know, I can only speak for me at this point, is it has helped me to um, acknowledge the thoughts that are there. I don't know if it helps me acknowledge the errors in the thought processes as much as it is being accepting of the thoughts that come, right? You know, then I don't have to always deal with the thoughts that are there. Right, I know, guess, so. yeah, I would have to defer to someone that has a lot more experience in meditation. I'm yeah. still very much new. Um, I know meditation. I'm still very much new too, right? You know, yeah. I, mean, I know. Years, oh, I just but, burped yeah. into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Those balls. I know that. Ooh, spicy balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Salty balls. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> but uh, it's a great mental reset. And I know for me, uh, like meditation and stuff. It's helped if my mind gets clogged up. Take a walk. Uh, ask someone else about something that's going on in their life. Take the focus off yourself for a couple minutes. It helps. Wait, don't hit that pause button just yet. There's still more. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're about to get out of your car right now, and you're about to go to work, but and you know this is going to be really awesome for the person that actually is about to get out of their car right now. You know they don't appreciate yeah. you in there. Oh, yeah. They don't care. You're not getting that promotion. <laughs> They're like, oh, so-and-so coming in again today in that stupid car with their stupid hair. Yeah, it's not just in your Steve, head. Steve, be nice to that person. They're, they're deserving of that job. They really want the job. They, they desired the job. You say so. You know, okay. <laughs> anyway, stop. Just keep listening because we're going to go on. Now, there is, um, you know, uh, 12-step groups, right? We've been talking about that a lot. You know, we talk about listening to the similarities, not the differences. Uh, and so, and, and you know, if you can relate to the people that are there, please do that, right? You know, if you can't, well, go fucking back home and get up the next day and try it again. 
Um, so uh, cultivating a humble attitude and a beginner's mindset are great assets to sobriety. And I just want to say that anytime somebody in a meeting does say, and if you're new, um, that's when I actually listen. Right? Yeah. You know, because I, I, you know, if, if, you know, sometimes the stories are a bit boring sometimes, <laughs> but no, I'm really listening. But, you know, I, I, I really do pay special attention. I've actually, um, I, the, recently, I, one of the, one of these weird things of just like asking somebody to do this is, um, I had him write down what he heard when somebody said, if you're new, right? Hmm. And so he started writing, he has a notebook that he brings to meetings and he actually started writing down. And then, uh, so he was like 15 days sober and he was, and I would say, what'd you, what'd you learn in that meeting? And he would re- repeat it back to me. And I was like, Really? They said all that shit? That's fucking good shit. That thing I pulled out of my ass actually worked. <laughs> yeah. Cause he would read the shit to me and I'd be like, well, that's pretty deep shit. Like if you're oh, new, you know, you know. That's a good idea, man. Yeah. Who told you to do that? <laughs> of me. That's yeah, right. That's, yeah, I remember that. Of course. That I didn't just fucking make that up because you're an experiment. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of how that worked. Um and then uh, uh, improved self-esteem usually develops in recovery as the individual achieves small successes, uh, followed later uh, by bigger successes. Well, I guess that's kind of how it works, isn't it? Um, okay, ho- yeah. hold on a second. I know we're almost done with the episode. Carl's desperately trying to get us out of here because yeah. <laughs> he has responsibilities <laughs> and stuff. But I could barely understand him when he said that. And so it's like, just say, improved self-esteem usually develops in recovery as the individual achieves Small successes followed later by bigger successes. When people have high self-esteem, there's less need for them to blow their own trumpet. Hey, no. But <laughs> you really wanted to hit the joke. I, That's the only thing actually, you were going no, for. <laughs> no, I did do that so the re- I did reread that so the listeners could hear it. But then I saw that blow trumpet. I'm like, ooh, I'm glad I did this. <laughs> but yes, that's true. Self esteem. You didn't get like this overnight. It's not going to get fixed overnight. Be patient with yourself and be consistent. Uh, moving on next, most spiritual paths will lead to a reduction in ego as a part of the process. Yes, Boy, it happens. Howdy. The next one is. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Isn't that the truth? I love that we spend all this time saying what a problem it is to have grandiose thinking. And then we get to the solutions and we're go. like, oh, God, we got to get out of here. Hold on. Hold on. Let's just cram this in your ears real right, quick. Right. Let's slow down. Let's slow down. Let's take out all the pink cloud jokes and then we'll have another. Oh, you can leave the first one. He was so excited to be on the show. Hey, kids. <laughs> I don't even remember what it's like. All right. Uh, so yes, most that is very most true. Spir- sorry, I was actually knocking one of the pretty important ones, right? You know, which is like most spiritual paths will lead to reduction in ego as part of the process, right? Yes. So, um, you know, and, maybe, and that is... To a greater degree, I think, you know, why people are trying to, you know, push that. They see the value in it themselves, right? They have kind of gone down that process. They've seen the importance of having that spiritual connection. And they're really just trying to convey that to the next guy, right? And yeah. that's that's what they're instructed to do. So um, so in AA anyway. But now what about outside of AA, right? You know, and I've seen, I've seen other things um, outside of AA um, that have helped a lot of people spiritually, right, in terms of, you know, Taoism and you know, all that kind of stuff, right? You know, I, I, you know, looking at those types of uh, avenues for Buddhism, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, those, that's also the same spiritual path that we're talking about. And of course, that's really all about, you know, developing that humility, right? Yeah. So, um, so there are other paths other than AA. I don't want to make, I want to make sure we stress yes, that. Yes, so absolutely. There are many ways about. to get sober and just uh, keep, keep your eyes peeled and be on the lookout for them. Uh, so then finally, our last... Uh, number 10. Number 10, <laughs> as long as you weren't counting. 
the person that was the pink cloud again. The person needs to realize that they do not need to be extra special in order them for them to be valuable as a human. That's right. Being a worker among workers, a friend among friends, a person amongst persons. That's all we're aiming for here. Being sober doesn't make you special. Doesn't make uh doesn't make anything except for a much better life. In my case, from my experience. What about you? I I I, uh, I hold the. That last part pretty high, actually. I, being a worker among workers is is uh, something I, I strive to do uh, in my daily life, right? Because you know I I held myself pretty high, right, when it came to my other lifestyle. Wow, so, you got like especially serious for that last point. Like, well, wow, I, Carl's Carl's really taking this one, uh, taking this one in. I, I actually to to be you know that's what I say. I just uh, I fall in love with a guy seven eleven. I mean that's that's it. I'm no different from he is. You know I'm no different. So ain't that uh, the truth? Yeah. All right. So except that except is... I have big balls in my mouth. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> damn it! Why do we? I, I can't stop doing the damn joke. I just I don't know why. I just, you guys are going to be really sick of this. Oh damn! The computer turned off again. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> the computer's like I'm not recording this bullshit. <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Artificial Thanks. intelligence. Write a book. Done with this noise. All right. Well. All right. So that 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 serves us. That uh, is our two-parter on grandiosity. We have wrapped it up. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you again to Three Blurry Decades for your oh, yeah. uh, initial recommendations. He got a two-parter out of it. It's because of his suggestion that we now have the pink cloud. By the way, if, if you are on um, Dinosaurs in Recovery, uh, then you uh, you maybe have seen uh, Three or stopped drinking for that matter. And actually, you, know, you should probably uh, uh, thank uh, Three Blurry Decades for his participation in this episode. And for the pink cloud. <laughs> Anyway, so thank you again to Three Blurry Decades for your suggestion. If you have any suggestions that you would like to contribute to SoberPod, you can send them to us at SoberPod.com. You can also tweet them at SoberPod or even put it on the Facebook uh, for the SoberPod Facebook page. Uh, those are all great places to get in touch with. Yep. you got to search for the Facebook page a little bit, but the at SoberPod uh, tweet is on the Twitter machine, as I think the kids are calling it, is a great way to get in touch with us. And then... um. What uh, what were we gonna do on Twitter? Uh, what we're gonna be? Oh, look out for on Twitter. Uh, pretty soon I'm going to be putting up some tweets about. We're going to start uh, recognizing milestones and anniversaries in recovery. A little so, little sober shoutouts. Yeah, little sober shoutouts. So so if you have like thirty, ninety, sixty, whatever, right? Or no, wait, thirty, sixty, ninety. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like 24, uh, so we'll be doing like, uh, if you're do brand like, new to I mean, recovery. We can do 24 hours, but we can do that every damn day, you know. Well, like a newcomer. Yeah. yeah. Like, what would be a newcomer in another words? Well, okay, let's do uh, like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, three, six, and nine months. How about first-time listener, first-time tweeter? <laughs> <laughs> if you do not if you do not put that into your tweet, I will not read it. <laughs> Hashtag... Uh, Hashtag pink cloud. <laughs> Hashtag pink cloud me. And I promote my Twitter. At I'm here for your balls. A character with little wavy arms and shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, so, so yeah. Um, so no, we would like to read out your uh, uh, your super shout outs if you if you got them. If you have your milestones and you want to um, celebrate them with us, we would really enjoy that. You know, I think it's that's kind of what we do. Uh, is we support each other and we uh, we go about doing that. If there's any mm -hmm. other special thing you want to say in there, feel free to throw that in there too. We can uh, you know that we'll read it because we've already been talking about 
pink balls in our mouths all day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he yeah. can't relate to that. <laughs> yeah. So please, uh, please include that stuff. I think yeah. uh, we get a really good kick out of it. Yeah, please send us your anniversary, send us your milestones, and send us whatever else you would like. Soberpod.com, Facebook at Sober, and uh, tweet us at Soberpod. Uh, we would love to just hear more from you guys, and we'd love to be reading some stuff for you here on the show. If you got topics, if you just got some stuff you want to talk about, we'd love to hear from you, so you know where to find us on that. But uh, with that being said, I think we're just about out of here for today. So I don't know about you, Carl, but I'm ready to hit the road. I, I'm pretty ready to hit the road. About 8 o'clock right now. All right. So see you. Bye.